aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We're normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Celebrate the 4th of July with family, friends, and your country neighbors with fireworks. Whizbang Fireworks is now open with a huge selection of fireworks, including high 500-milligram display cakes, multi-shot reloading artillery shells, bottle rockets, Roman candles, bigger and better assortment packs. Whizbang Fireworks will get your 4th off to a big bang. Open daily, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. on North Main Street behind Pizza Hut. Sheridan County allows the use of fireworks July 1st through the 7th. Please follow local laws. Whiz bang fireworks. This is Ken here at Prime Rate Motors, where we understand everybody's situation is different. We recently had a customer that needed to keep his ranch truck, not traded in. What he needed was a car for town. After visiting with him, we discovered that what he did have was an extra stock trailer. We were able to take that trailer in as a trade-in and got him a nice economy car that was good on gas and easy to park downtown. Stop in. Let's work something out. Here at Prime Rate Motors, the Super Trailer Store, or PrimeRateMotors.com. The owners and staff at Kane's Funeral Home would like to thank the families of Sheridan and Johnson Counties for choosing Kane's and allowing them to serve you during these hard times. Kane Funeral Home makes it their mission to take the stress and uncertainty out of ceremonial services. They own and operate the only crematory in Sheridan County, so your loved one is always in their care. Kane's Funeral Home. Call 673-5837 or visit them online at canefuneral.com. The election boundaries have been redrawn to comply with 2022 legislation, and these changes may have affected your voting precinct, polling place, house, and senate districts, or school district. If you received a blue card in the mail, please check it for changes that have affected you. If you have moved or have questions, don't wait until the August 16th primary election to ask. Call the Sheridan County Election Office today at 674-2515 at 674-2515 or email elections at sheridancountywy.gov. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program brought to you by Elias and Financial. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning. In the spring of 1900, pharmacist Theodore James Kentrell, better known as Jim, opened the first drugstore in Johnson County. The Buffalo Pharmacy became a popular stopping place for cowboys, lawmen, settlers, cattle barons, and famous army scouts. Jim became a trusted friend to the region's Native Americans, a local resident, and those that passed through the town. Many of those that befriended Jim brought him several gifts over the years, from guns to medicine bags, bows and arrows, and clothing. And those gifts now tell Jim's incredible story inside the Jim Getchall Memorial Museum. Joining me this morning is the director of the Jim Getchall Museum in Buffalo, Mrs. Sylvia Bruner. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, Floyd. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Uh, always uh, always a pleasure having you with us and talking about the museum and the goings-ons over there. Now, how is every, how's the weather over in Buffalo right now? So far, so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing good so far. Uh, maybe some afternoon showers. Uh, who knows? Uh, right. It's about that time of year. 
hot in the morning, wet in the afternoon. And now, with everything that's going on right now, gas prices, Yellowstone, etc., are you seeing the same crowds this year as you've seen in the past? Honestly, it feels about the same. Um, however, I was out of the office last week, so I certainly could have missed some vital information there. But it does seem like we've had pretty good traffic coming through town and coming into the museum. So you're still getting people through and in. That's mm-hmm. good. We are. What is your busiest day of the year? Ooh, that's a good question and one that I probably don't have an accurate answer to because the last couple of years we have had um, Longmire Day specific events and things at the museum, and that's really thrown everything kind of off kilter, uh, plus having COVID during the summer of 2020 really threw everything off in the opposite direction. So the short answer is I don't know. How successful was that Longmire Day's display? It was very successful. It was a lot of fun from our perspective. You know, we focused on Craig Johnson as the author, and the exhibit was called The Long Road to Longmire because we kind of wanted to tell about his journey as an author, how long it took him to get his first book, once things started flowing, how that series has developed, and then how it was picked up by television and became even more popular. Um, so it had a lot of local relevance, but it also tied into that bigger fan base. We met a lot of really fun people who, you know, they were maybe here for Longmire Days or just traveling through at a different time of year, and um, quite often we had people had that re- realization that Longmire was set in Buffalo, Wyoming, and that made them want to stop and spend a little more time here. So um, Longmire has definitely done a lot for our local economy, and we had a blast with that exhibit. Sorry to see it go, but we did intend for it to be temporary to start with, and now we have a new one called Cow Puncher, Western artist Jesse Weininger, and it's also pretty fantastic. What's your, what is your least busy day of the year or your least busy season? Like January, February, when nobody wants to be out doing anything. <laughs> when the wind is out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know February has kind of statistically been our lowest month for visitation, and that's why the last two years we've closed to the public during the month of February to allow us to do some physical exhibits work and things like that. Now, do you guys, you guys perform like a deep cleaning and, and things like that. How often do you have to actually really get in there and clean the items that are under glass? <laughs> um, honestly, there's not enough of us here and enough hours during the day to fully do that. But the good thing is because uh, the majority of the artifacts on display are encased in plexiglass, it does give them a physical barrier from all the dust contaminants in the air. Um, and we try to, you know, we try to actually do that intentionally when we build cases, is to make them fairly well sealed. We vent them out like the bottom of the case, but. Um, so basically that keeps our cleaning down to plexiglass cleaning, but there's always, uh, we tend to make a mess ourselves when we're working on right. something. You know, we're maybe constructing a case or changing some plexiglass up and we kind of create a mess. We have extension cords running everywhere. So. Now what about flash photography? That actually puts some items at risk, doesn't it? It does. You know, light damage is cumulative, meaning it can never be undone. And we've actually had a change in our policy regarding photographs that we implemented this last winter, 
and that is to allow photography in the museum, where in the past we didn't at all. Um, now photography is allowed. We ask people not to use their flash. Most people don't want to use their flash anyway because the plexiglass, then it doesn't turn out. Um, we have one exception to that. We ask our visitors not to take any photographs in our Native American gallery because we have some sacred items that are on loan to us, and that's a part of the loan agreement is that we don't allow photography of those particular items. And since we have implemented that new policy this winter, it's gone really well. All of our visitors have been very um, understanding and I think happy to be able to take pictures within the museum, but also respectful of a culture that asks them not to. So. Yeah, yeah. Now, now how many full-time staff do you have, and, and what do they do? There's three of us full-time. Um, so we've got Jennifer Romanowski as our museum educator. Kelsey McDonald is museum assistant. We gave her that title because we didn't know how to say woman of all trades who gets to do everything. <laughs> and myself as the director. And there's a lot of crossover between all of our jobs. Um, I think that that's very normal in the museum world in general, but particularly with small institutions because you can't quite um, put people into boxes when it comes to job descriptions. So we all get to work on exhibits from planning, designing, to implementation. We all get to do some collections work. Um, some of us are better suited than others because it can be kind of tedious. We all get to work on programs. Um, I have yet to rope everybody into helping with the budgeting process, but I do have board members and, and a bookkeeper that help with that kind of thing, so I get to process all the bills and paperwork. <laughs> the fun part, right? Yeah, I hope I don't sound bitter. I really do. <laughs> no, no. But I used to be the registrar, and so I worked with the collections, and I didn't do anything with processing bills, and now it seems like that takes up the majority of my time. So, What about volunteers? How many of those people do you have around? Oh, gosh, that's kind of hard to count because we've got volunteers in different aspects. Um, we've got a couple of people that, you know, they physically volunteer within the building doing data entry on collections or front desk work. And then we also have people who do writing, editing, proofreading, things like that for us, folks that come for special programs and events. Um, if you tally that all up, you're somewhere in the realm of like 20 or 25 different people. Um, we also have a summer staff right now for like weekends and other hours and they are fantastic. We absolutely love them. It's so helpful to have other people here in the building. Like this morning, we're getting ready to have one of our art programs here in a few minutes, and that's outside. And knowing that Tennessee or Cooper or somebody is working the front desk and they can handle whatever is thrown at them, and um, we have a really good crew. Now, you guys uh, have a, a, a living history day over there. Where do you find your actors for that? Well, honestly, I don't know exactly because Jennifer Romanowski is our point person on that. She plans that event and has for a number of years. So a lot of the people that come and do presentations or kind of have their tables, you know, it's not a vendor thing. They aren't selling items, but they're demonstrating crafts or talents or, you know, weapons of the past, whatever. Um, they've been doing this for a long time, so we have a lot of repeat people. But she does also pull in new people, and she tries to keep it kind of um, 
changing every year so that if you're a repeat visitor, you get to see something different. We just had Living History Day this last Saturday, and uh, the weather was really really cold and windy, especially to start out with, so it was a slow start, but then it got rolling. We had good visitation, had a lot of fun. We didn't get any kind of hailstorm this year, which was nice. And the uh, Bass Club always comes and sells their Lukanka sausages, so that's a big draw. You can smell it if you're walking downtown. What did you have uh, as far as, like, actors showing displays? I, I think you guys have had, like, hatchet throwing in the past, uh, blacksmithing. Mm-hmm. We didn't have hatchet throwing this year. George wasn't able to be here to run that for us, but we did have blacksmithing and bladesmithing. Um, we also had a wood carver. We had the Powder River Justice Committee, and so they, they bring a selection of historic firearms and different um, clothing pieces and supplies and just kind of show people they're not actually shooting anything or, like, doing any kind of, um, you know, scene acting. They're just showing you what existed in the past. We also had an 1800s gambling table set up with no real money allowed. We're not, we're not looking to... Uh, you know, create really bad habits for people, but just to kind of have a little fun, show them. So the two games that were out on display were Chuckalock and Over Under, which are both dice games, and I would lose pretty epically at both. <laughs> um, thankfully, like I said, we weren't playing with any kind of real money. We also had some ladies that came up from Casper, and they were showing primarily clothing and household items from the 1800s time period as well. We had a table from Fort Phil Kearney this year, and they weren't necessarily demonstrating anything historic, but actually one of their board members was sharing information about the project they're working on to get the national trail designation for the Bozeman Trail, and he could talk with people about what that meant, what it didn't mean, et cetera. Um, we had a face painting booth this year. I know I'm forgetting a couple. Oh, gold panning. That's always a fun one. The gold panners group, they... They bring all of their supplies, they get everything all set up, and they allow people to actually kind of dip a pan in, get a little bit of dirt, put it in the water, swirl it around, see what you find. I mean, they supply all of the, the supplies, the dirt, the gold, all of it. Um, it's, a, it's a good group of people that come and volunteer, and it seems like all of our visitors have a lot of fun with it, too. And there's free museum admission throughout the day, too. All day long, right? Mm-hmm. Now, during the school year, do you see a lot of classes that come through? We do. <laughs> um, and of course, last year we didn't because of COVID. So this year it was really, it was really fun and kind of reassuring to have that feeling of normalcy when it comes to the school groups. We usually get them in the springtime, and they were more than normal this year because a lot of the teachers who had like the fifth grade class this year. When they were in the fourth grade, they missed out because of COVID last year. Yeah. So they were kind of making up for that. So we saw first grade, second grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. I feel like there might have even been more in there. Um, again, Jen, as our educator, she was busy, busy, busy during the month of May doing a lot of school tours. Some of it she goes to the schools, but most of the classes come through the museum at least once during the year, too. And you've got some other programs for children, uh, and we'll talk about those. When we return, we'll continue with the Jim Getchell Memorial Museum. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared.
This is Eric Jacobson, partner at Eliaston Financial. I think we can all agree that living and working in Sheridan, Wyoming is an absolute privilege. At Eliaston Financial, we support our community through volunteerism, philanthropy, and making a positive economic impact. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliaston Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., Member FINRA, SIPC. Is it time for a career change? McDonald's restaurants in Sheridan and Buffalo are currently looking to fill shift management positions that pay up to $18 per hour, and you can work today and get paid tomorrow. Improve your life with a new career. Benefits include IRA contributions, health insurance, paid vacations, tuition assistance, flexible scheduling, food discounts, and up to $18 per hour. Apply today in person for a shift management career at McDonald's in Sheridan and Buffalo. Hey, this is Josh with RTR Automotive Studio. With hail season picking up, it's time to think about your options for paintless dent repair. RTR Automotive Studio is your only locally owned paintless dent repair business in Sheridan. I have over 12 years experience and I want to help you keep your vehicle in pristine condition. We work with all insurance companies and offer full warranty on all of our work. Contact me at 307-752-7081 or stop by the shop at 403 North Main Street for a free estimate. Check out our before and after photos on Facebook and Instagram. Sheridan County School District 2 is looking for a hardworking, dependable, and positive individual to join the Sheridan High School team as activities custodian. Hours vary but will not exceed 40 hours a week, including weekday and weekend events. Starting wages 1640 to 1850 an hour depending on experience. Benefits include medical, dental, and vision insurance, 10 sick leave days, 12 vacation days, and 19 paid holidays per year. To learn more or to apply, please contact the district office at 307-744-7405, extension 5208. It's your final week to enter for a chance to win $500 in chamber bucks. This is Kyla Allen with ERA Carroll Realty inviting you to enter the ERA Carroll Realty Summer Sweepstakes. Just go to the contest page on SheridanMedia.com where you can enter daily through the 4th of July. Chamber Bucks can be used anywhere in Sheridan County or even cashed at your bank. Enter now. We're drawing the winner July 5th. ERA Carroll Realty. We're about more than real estate. We're about family, friendship, and community. Ace Hardware and Connect Home Center are back with another flyer in this week's Country Bounty. Shop their 4th of July event flyer now through July 11th. Save 20% on select Craftsman power tools and outdoor power equipment. Clark Kensington exterior and interior paint are buy one gallon, get the second gallon half price. Savings on outdoor furniture, lighting, and grills, as well as camping supplies and so much more. It's all in the Ace Hardware Connect Home Center flyer in this week's Country Bound. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. Brought to you by our friends out there at Eliason Financial. I'm Floyd Whiting and with me this morning is the director of the Jim Getchell Museum in Buffalo, Mrs. Sylvia Bruner. Now, Sylvia, uh, could you tell us a little bit about Art Museum Mondays? Yeah, so this is a program that began... I think four years ago, but we're in our third year because we had to cancel it for 2020. Um, so Kelsey McDonald, who works here at the museum, she is an artist, and she is also one of those people that likes to share and educate and you know, especially work with youth in our area. And so she came up with this idea for a program, and she runs it because she is the one with the artistic knowledge and abilities. <laughs> and uh, it's a 
ton of fun. So for Mondays through June and July, we have kids come. We do this outside on the lawn so that if there's paint flying around, that's okay. And they get to learn about a different technique every week. They get something that they create and take home with them, or sometimes there's a collaborative kind of thing. So like uh, two weeks ago, they did a mural, and we hang that on the western side of our museum building here for the summer. This year's was kind of an Andy Warhol theme, so they actually learned about him and some of his techniques and what he's you know most famous for. And so it has a re- repeating bison design in neon four main neon colors. It's really cool. It's really striking. And all the kids got to paint on that mural together. Um, so we're the thing that we're running into is we always have more kids who want to participate than we have the ability to take on. So we end up with like a waiting list because it registration feels super fast. Um, but why I really wanted to talk about it isn't to, you know, drum up more business. We don't have room right now for any more kids. But I wanted to make sure to thank our community because this program has 100% been paid for by donations and grants um, for all three seasons. So we've had a lot of private donations that have come in, and they're specifically earmarked for that program. That's what allows us to buy the supplies. And then we also received a grant from the Hazel Patterson Memorial, which is a local fund, but it's managed through the Wyoming Community Foundation. And so they granted us a little over $2,000 this last year, again, to replenish, buy some supplies, kind of expand on that programming. Um, Kelsey tries to make it so that if we have kids that have attended you know, the previous year, we aren't just recycling and doing the exact same program every year. So they, again, get to continue to learn new things, and that requires um, new supplies. <laughs> so I just want to make sure that we really get that shout out there to our community, to our supporters who have paid for this. Because as we all know, budgets are tight, especially within Johnson County. And um, we just appreciate everybody's support. And we really love it when it's something that we can specifically show, hey, this is what we did with your dollar. And this is how it has benefited the community. What ages do kids have to be to, to join that program? Uh, this one is set up for kids that are 7 to about 12. There is, you know, when you're talking with about human beings, there's always some variations. Um, we've had some kids that maybe they were 12, but it was maybe they were a little bit placed out of the skill level because they've already got some familiarity with art. And so we're trying to work on kind of expanding into that next older age group. Um, and I say we're working on that because, again, there's only the three of us here full time. So... We sometimes have to remember our own limitations of what we can actually get accomplished, but we're wanting to to kind of break into that older group and have even more technical or complicated kinds of projects for them to work on. So the current one is 7 to 12, and then watch for further information that we maybe next summer will be doing um, a little bit more intensive for the next group up of like 13 to 15. Well, that's a pretty good problem to have. So many kids with so much interest that you're going to have to expand on this program. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and it, like I said, it all, it all falls on Kelsey because she's the one that has the knowledge and the abilities. And um, Jennifer and I kind of run around and we say, how can we help? And we clean paintbrushes or we check kids in and out and, you know, do the things that we're capable of. But you sure don't want to hand me a paintbrush and try to make me teach kids how to do something like that. <laughs> right. 
I'd be the same way. I'd be the exact same way. Now, that one's for the kids. Uh, Tell us about Sippin' History program. Yeah, so people might remember we had a program for a couple of summer seasons called Wine About History. We have had to kind of rebrand that because of um, insurance complications. So now we are asking people to bring their favorite non-alcoholic beverage, and we're calling it Sippin' History. It's an evening program, the third Wednesday of June, July, and August, and we've tried to have a real variety of presentations and presenters, also, so topics that maybe interest locals and travelers alike. And this month, we that already has occurred, and we had Jim Hicks here, and he was talking about the printing history um, of Buffalo, but also just in general. And he does a fantastic program. If you ever have the chance to listen to him talk about that, by all means, you should attend. And then this next month, I'm double-checking my calendar to make sure I tell you the right date. It'll be July 20th, and we have Lindley Mayer coming. She is, I think you could still say new, um, the interpretive ranger for Fort Phil Kearney, Trail End State Historic Site, and Keyhole Reservoir. Um, so she's a state parks and historic sites employee, and we're collaborating with her and those sites as well. She actually came here from Fort Bridger State Historic Site, and so she's really familiar and versed on that history of Jim Bridger, Fort Bridger, and some of the female entrepreneurs that were also at that place. So she's going to be doing her presentation on those topics. And again, that's July 20th at 6 p.m. here at the museum. We just kind of meet at the back of the museum, and we have sort of an indoor-outdoor space by throwing open the big doors of the carriage house. Um, we don't want anybody to be, you know, sitting out in the hot sun or anything, so we try to make it comfortable, but you got to bring your own chair and, like I said, bring your favorite non-alcoholic beverage and come listen to some fun history. Now, how long will Cowpuncher be there at the museum? Um, we are planning for it to be here for a two-year span. So it would probably come down in the winter, late winter of 2023. So it'll be there long enough that we can all jump in there. What yeah, are we, absolutely. What, and uh, just real quick, what are we going to see? Um, you're going to see some really cool art by a local guy. It's very similar to a lot of other Western artists like C.M. Russell. Um, so Jesse Weininger, he was born and raised here. He grew up here. He worked as a cowpuncher kind of in that lifestyle for his whole life, is my understanding. He was also a World War One veteran. And he did attend the Art Institute of Chicago for a short time, but he came back home before he graduated because he told his friends that instead of painting a bust of George Washington, he'd rather paint a bust of a cowpuncher. And that's what he did. His art was really focused on kind of Western personalities and cowboys. And um, most of the pieces we have are on loan from various folks in the region, and it's really interesting to see how his work progressed. There's a couple of those really early pieces, and then there's a couple that were completed not too long before he passed away, um, which I think was in the late 1950s, if I remember correctly. And you can really see a progression, how his work changed and improved. Well, Sylvia, uh, just one more question. If someone out there is uh, looking to volunteer, maybe they've they've got a skill that they would like to volunteer for your Living History Day, what do they need to do? Um, stop in or give us a call, by all means. Um, but also have a little bit of patience with us, because quite often we are kind of running from one thing to the next, and 
um, maybe, and I'm really talking about myself here more than the other girls, but sometimes I feel like I lose my efficiency on, like, getting back to people. So if you stop in and it seems like a cool place and there might be a fit, we might ask you to come back in in a month or two when maybe things have kind of regulated back down to more normalcy, and then we can kind of sit down and see what fits. Some people are really great, you know, working at the front desk and visiting with all of our travelers. Some people are really great at working in collections, especially if they kind of like to have their own space and maybe a quiet place. So we do try to find what what might fit best, and uh, yeah, come check out the museum and visit with us and let us know what you're thinking. Sylvia, thank you so much for giving us a call this morning and coming on the show. It is always a pleasure having you with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. When we come back, we will talk with Dr. Thomas Bennett, who is running for coroner of Sheridan County. This is Public Pulse on 930K, are we? FM. Share. This is Eric Jacobson, partner at Eliason Financial. I think we can all agree that living and working in Sheridan, Wyoming is an absolute privilege. At Eliason Financial, we support our community through volunteerism, philanthropy, and making a positive economic impact. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliason Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., Member FINRA, SIPC. Having your own business can be overwhelming. Parker Mellinger can make your life easier with payroll preparation, accounting, and tax services. Our fixed price agreement is set according to your needs and features unlimited phone calls and meetings for one monthly fee. Choose only the services you need, and we will tailor them to fit your business. Call today to see how we can provide you with cost-effective solutions. Parker Mellinger, 1811 South Sheridan Avenue in Sheridan. The rodeo is part of who we are. It's our history, our identity. But boy, this is not your granddaddy's rodeo anymore. The Y.O. is bigger, better, and bolder. Larger purses, tougher competition, and a whole lot of family fun. Come for the world's champion Indian relay races, high-stakes BRCA action, and a warm welcome unlike anywhere else in the world. You've got to be here to feel it. Get your tickets at SheridanYORodeo.com. I'm Michelle Hart from Cody, Wyoming. Last year, my husband, Tim, was on a wildland fire down in New Mexico, and he was injured um, parachuting into the fire, and he unfortunately passed away uh, nine days later. Shortly after he died, I actually went to D.C. and asked to meet with Liz. We had a very intense and emotional conversation about these issues. Liz was really surprised when I was telling her about the issues of homelessness, pay disparity. She really wanted to do something about that. Those words were followed up with action. I just really enjoyed getting to work with her and having her supporting Tim's Act in the House and really pushing and putting pressure on legislators to be able to do something to fix these issues that are really critical to the public safety. She's a true fighter on their behalf, and I look forward to continuing to get to work with her until these issues are fully resolved, and I know I have her commitment in doing that. I'm Liz Cheney, and I approve this message. Take four by Liz Cheney for Wyoming. 
the city of Sheridan Weeding Pest Division would like to announce that mosquito fogging will continue through the mosquito breeding season. Fogging will take place Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday evenings when necessary. For more information to report heavy concentrations of mosquitoes or to request that your home be in a no-spray zone, please call the mosquito hotline at 307-655-8297 or visit the website at SheridanWY.gov. warrior battling a nagging injury? Whether it's biking, hiking, backpacking, or seasonal yard work, don't let those aches and pains become something more. This is Charlotte Walter, physical therapist with Wyoming Rehab. We can help you feel better and get in shape for all of your upcoming endeavors. Give us a call and we'll set you up with a free screen and treatment recommendation for your non-emergent pains. Sheridan Memorial Hospital's Wyoming Rehab, 
And then in 1983, I was eligible to take the uh, uh, test from the American Board of Pathology, the only certifying agency. But if you pass that test, you are therefore board certified or uh, uh, recognized that you've met their standards. And right now, then, I've uh, wound up being the only board certified forensic pathologist in the state of Wyoming. Holy cow, really? Yeah. There's only about 300 or 400 of us around the whole country. Wow. No pun intended, but we are a dying breed. We're not training enough to make how many are retiring. Now, I don't mean to get off track, but is there a reason for that? Yeah, several good reasons. One is it's not the most... uh, um, Sometimes what we deal with can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. Whether it's the darkest side of death, the... Hardest side of abusive injuries, what people do to each other is disgusting sometimes. Yeah. And so that's not that attractive. Uh, the hours aren't very good. People don't seem to die on a convenient schedule. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't work that way. So you could be up two, three in the morning on average. I mean, depending. Exactly. Fortunately, I only need about three or four hours sleep a night. So I'm <laughs> pretty well on that. But, uh, and the other part of it is when we do our work, we have to go in the courtroom which is one of those mixed blessings. It's one of the hardest places to be because doctors are used to being the expert. Yeah. We say something and people say, oh, thank you, doctor. That's wonderful. Not in the courtroom. You have to prove everything. You have to have the scientific literature behind you. You have to have the background and the basis to make a good scientific opinion. You've got to really defend uh, your your choices and your rulings, or not your rulings, but your findings. Your findings, exactly. And be able to bring in the scientific literature, yeah. which is constantly evolving. So you have to keep up with it all the time. But every day is a new puzzle. So it's the best of all worlds for me. I still love it. I've been at this well over 40 years, and I still find the human body amazing. Now, what got you into it? I mean, like you said, sometimes it's it's one of the darker sides of, of a medical practice. Uh, so when you look at it, when when you were deciding what you wanted to do, mm-hmm. what was it that really clicked and you were like, you know what, that's the service I want to provide? Well, I can go way back to even with my dad. My dad being a farmer, uh, Iowa farmers, you know, we raised cattle, we raised hogs and corn and soybeans and hay and all that stuff. And... and uh, by and large, the farmers can't afford to go to a veterinarian for everything, so most things they'll treat themselves. And as the only son, Dad would get me up at 3 in the morning and say, Tom, we've got to go pull a calf. Mm-hmm. Or, Tom, we got to get out there and, uh, you know, that, that cow's gone down. We have to get her back up here real quick. But the calf is freezing out there because the cow dropped the calf in the middle of a blizzard somewhere, and we have to go out and find them. And so you get used to it. Um, then it got to the point where um, I was in medical school, I had a young family, and I was broke. Now, the, back then, they would pay us for blood or other body fluids if we wanted to sell them. They've quit all that now, pretty much. But to support a young family, uh, a pathologist up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 30 miles from Iowa City, hired me to do the autopsies for him, taught me how to do them and uh, hired me to do them. So I went around eastern Iowa and did the autopsies for 75 bucks a piece. Wow. And back then that was big money. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, now there's no way that would happen. But, oh, heavens but, no. Yeah, but back and, then that was good. Yeah, it was good. And so doing those cases, I learned and he taught me. He was a wonderful teacher. And uh, that's how I got going. 
Wow. And now, what are you doing right now for a living, for those who might not know? Oh, I am primarily a consultant. Uh, Wyoming has a coroner system, as you said in your great introduction. You cover it very, very well. We have 23 counties and basically 23 different systems. The coroners can do the investigation, but in Wyoming, for a coroner to sign a death certificate, they need to consult with a physician unless they're a physician themselves. And that means an MD or a DO, a treating physician. Um, a dentist can't do it. So it's important for them to consult with them, and I, I'm the physician they consult with. When they ask a question, they'll give me a call. They say, here's what I've come up with so far. We have the who, where, and by what means figured out pretty well, but what do you think is the medical part of it? So what I'm doing right now is serving Wyoming as that consultant. I've got, like I say, the majority of the counties work with me on the edges of the state, like down around Cheyenne, Laramie. They work very closely with the folks in Loveland, Colorado, because it's, it's a huge state. Yeah, they've got a lot of folks down and, there. And I'm so glad they do, except they're just losing one of their forensic pathologists who's a dear friend of mine moving down to Texas. So, like I say, we're moving away. There are fewer and fewer of us around. Uh, Western uh, Wyoming used to go over into Idaho quite a bit, but they lost their forensic pathologist, so now I'm getting part of Idaho. Oh, wow. So I'm just serving as the consultant. If they have a question with anything forensic, whether it's law enforcement, EMS, coroners, whoever, they give me a call. And I, then if it needs an autopsy, I perform the forensic autopsy. Now, why did you make the decision to run for Sheridan County Coroner? Where did this choice come from? P.J. Kane told me one day I was going to run. And, uh, you know, it's one of those where I've done it before. Back in the 1980s and 1990s, I was the uh, effectively the coroner for Polk County, Iowa, which is Des Moines. And I was the state medical examiner back in Iowa at that time, too. Uh, I was functioning as the primary investigator as well as the gentleman doing the autopsies, too. That was crazy. I never slept during that time. Wow. So, but what I did, I learned how to do it, to work with the families, work with the various agencies to help get a solid, defendable cause and manner of death ruling. Um, what I did here in, in Sheridan County was I've been working with various counties around Wyoming, setting up new offices. Uh, for example, based in Wyoming, Bighorn County has built a new facility about four years ago, and it serves as the regional center for the basin. So Cody, uh, Warland, Hot Springs counties, they all work basically out of basin. I can be the pathologist, and those coroners work together. I'd like to see that done here in Sheridan. What I'd like to do is with the new office that's being built, um, the commissioners, bless their hearts, have committed to it. We're going to have ourselves a new facility because we want to transition from a funeral home-based coroner system to an independent coroner system working as a resource for law enforcement for EMS, for others, for the hospital, for the uh, um, whoever has a case like this. And I'd like to be the one to set it up. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that's fascinating. It is. Now, what are the primary duties of coroner for Sheridan County? If we get specific down to what exactly you will do on a daily basis. We know the statutes of Wyoming spell it out very clearly. 
you have to determine who, by what means, and where a person died. I compare it better to, okay, your old training in journalism. What do you have to cover with every single journalism Oh, the article? five W's. Got to get them all. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. And I tell all the coroners, I say, if you can't answer those questions without an autopsy, get an autopsy. If you can't answer them without more investigation, do that investigation. But you have to scientifically establish who, what happened to them, when did it happen, where did it happen, and then also the manner. It's a very easy way to go through it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what do you feel are good qualities for a coroner to have? Mm, thick skin. <laughs> yeah. But uh, also uh, with COVID, I lost my sense of smell. That's been very handy to have also here. But beyond those two things, I have, uh, I would expect them to be caring. Um, but also with the families. Okay, imagine you have just lost a loved one. At that point, you're going to have to say, well, what do I do now? I don't know about a funeral home. I haven't thought about this. The coroner needs to, be, to go to them saying, folks, here's what I need to do. I need to do an investigation. I need to do an autopsy. I'll give you all the results. I'll tell you about them afterwards. Go through and I'll answer all your questions. All you have to do right now is to just know that I'm going to take your loved one to the coroner's office. They will be secure will examine them to do whatever investigation necessary. When you choose a funeral home, we'll release it to you. I'm trying to work real closely with our funeral homes, all three of them here in Sheridan, as well as, well, you coming from Buffalo. You know Dave down at Barney's Funeral Home well. Um, And folks, they go all over the place anymore. And also Sheridan's a big draw for people from out of state. Help them get to the proper funeral home that they choose, working with them, as expeditiously as possible, but also make sure that when I sign that death certificate, it is defendable, uh, supportable with everything we have uh, for that family afterwards. They're going to have to settle the estate, so I need to do the proper test to get them to do that. It may involve toxicology, it may involve an autopsy, may not, but help that family through that time. Yeah, those are, one of the things I, you know, always really thought about was I have a friend who worked down her funeral homes in Arizona for a little while, mm-hmm. and it it got to her. Uh, she only did it for a couple of years, like you said. You really have to kind of have thick skin and be able to to work through some really tough tough issues uh, with a family who's grieving. Now, now I've got about two and a half minutes left. I want to give you two minutes, okay, to talk to the the voters of Sheridan County. Well, I appreciate that. Well, again, my name's Tom Bennett. I'm running for the coroner for the basic goal of trying to help set up a new office with everything I've learned after 40 years of practice. Um, I'd like to have it set up to where it's independent. I'm working with all three funeral homes closely as I can because I need their help and cooperation. I'm working with the ambulance service. Chris down there at the ambulance service is going to help us in case we need transportation. I'm trying to get this to be a real cooperative effort involving law enforcement. They're welcome at the autopsies. When someone attends an autopsy, they get continuing education credits. My teaching at the autopsy is worth two hours of credit for anybody who is attending it. It's free. 
it's the best bargain you're going to get for continuing education around the country here. But it also, I compare it to the sign over the office of the New York City Medical Examiner's Office in Manhattan. It says, let conversations cease, let laughter flee. This is where death delights to help the living. Yeah. Make your death mean something. Wow, yeah. Yeah, because that's really what you're doing, isn't it? Yeah, I hope so. Well, Dr. Bennett, I want to thank you for coming in today and, and speaking with us. And all my best uh, in the upcoming election. Well, we're going to have our little debate tonight and stuff in the Y.O. Theater. And I was, I was telling you before, it's like me being in the courtroom. It's much easier up on the stage in the Y.O. Theater and stuff. It's going to be kind of nice to look out and see everybody. See a, a lot of smiling faces instead of people scowling out there. Oh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> who are wanting money about something in that. Much better here. All right, you've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. This is Eric Jacobson, partner at Eliaston Financial. I think we can all agree that living and working in Sheridan, Wyoming is an absolute privilege. At Eliaston Financial, we support our community through volunteerism, philanthropy, and making a positive economic impact. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliaston Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. This is Renee Botton. I'm running for re-election as Sheridan County Clerk of District Court. By now, you may have seen that my opponent is running negative ads against me. Now I kind of know how President Trump felt. I can assure you that the District Court Clerk's Office is being run competently, efficiently, and correctly. My opponent is hoping to pull you away from the truth, which is that I am the most qualified candidate. Don't fall for her deceptions. Vote Renee Botton for Sheridan County Clerk of District Court. Paid for by Renee Botton. Fireworks are awesome, and Falls Fireworks invites you to celebrate Independence Day with a bang. Open June 24th through July 4th from noon to 10 p.m. Just off Sheridan's North Main Street on Higby Road in the Northern Lights Electric Parking Lot. Falls Fireworks has a huge selection of Roman candles, artillery shells, family packs, firecrackers, and novelties. Easy to find. Watch for the signs and follow them off Main to Falls Fireworks. Visa and MasterCard accepted. Frackletons brings you this pet of the week from the dog and cat shelter. Prince needs an active home or possibly a working ranch since he loves the outdoors so much. If Prince sounds like the right dog to charm you, come and meet him today. Luna is now old enough to prefer naps over all-day play, but she still knows how to roll with the punches and would be a great fit just about anywhere. Come and meet this gorgeous kitty today. Three minute stations, three minutes Summer away. Game from started here at Hammer Chevrolet, Dick Hammer. Bob, whatever you need, we are here and ready to get you taken care of. If you need cash to put in your pocket, we continue to pay top dollar for quality pre-owned vehicles. We have a nice selection of fuel-efficient vehicles to get you out on the road this summer. If you need service work or a service contract, we are here to help. We are a full-service dealership. Get your summer on at Hammer Chevrolet at 107 East online at HammerChevy.com. 
Pittsburgh Paint, with over 135 years of product expertise, is now available at the Sheridan Commercial Company. Hi, Kurt Smith here. You will now find Pittsburgh Paint at the Sheridan Commercial Company. Pittsburgh Paint is a leader in quality and product innovation and built to perform for the job at hand. Now with two great paint brands, precise color matching, architectural and homeowner paints, and coatings, plus a large inventory, it only makes sense to get your paint at the Sheridan Commercial Company at 303 Broadway, open seven days a week. It started out as free. But then they said it would only be a few cents a day. What you're hearing is real. It may be happening to you. It ended up being a lot every month. These are the voices of frustration. I pay for streaming video, then the cloud storage, then streaming audio. Where does it end? This is the sound of nickel and diming syndrome. It's a real thing. It is a real thing. I just want to hear my music. Is that so wrong? There is hope for millions of people. There's radio. Radio? Radio with zero down and zero per month. Radio delivers all the news, music, and entertainment you want when you want it for free. No usernames, passwords, or Wi-Fi connection required. Here's my card number. It's 7354. Shh. Don't speak. When you listen to a Sheridan Media radio station, you'll never need that. This is so wonderful. <laughs> yes, it is. The cure for nickel and diming syndrome. I could use a hug. <laughs> it's radio. No subscription required. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of springs. There's the kind that you wind up tighter than two coats of paint. There's the ones you pull apart and they spring back, and there's the kind you push together and they bounce back. And there's the kind of spring that is time to get your 4 before side-by-side tuned up for the year. Just call Hamdos and Joe will spring into action. Heck, he'll even come and get it. Tune it up, fix it up, even rev it up. 4 before spring tune-ups at Hamdos Service Center on Sheridan's Heartland Drive. I cannot stop staring at your bath. It is so perfect. You should enter a perfect bath contest. Thanks, Pete. If I had a nickel for everyone to comment on my bath, I'd be a rich man. You know what? You should enter your bath in the Fisher Bath Off Contest at SheridanMedia.com. Sponsored by Rocky Mountain Discount Sports and Blodorn Lumber. You think I'd win the $500 gift card from each sponsor? Baby, with a bath like that? Oh, yeah. You can enter all summer long until Labor Day when a winner will be chosen. I'm going to send a photo of my bath to Sheridan Media for everyone to see. ha, ha, ha. 